Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. What it means to establish relationships and value follow-ups. Because again, the deals are a natural byproduct of doing the right things. And we don't set our business up in that regard. We just jump into this business and knee-jerk. How can I make money quickly? It's the wrong approach. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities, in order to qualify the sponsor, in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Dan Plowman, how you doing, Dan? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm glad to hear that, and you're welcome. And a little bit about Dan. He has 28 years of real estate experience. When he started, he was Rookie of the Year, his first year selling homes. And since then, he has, well, actually, for the last eight years, he sold more than one home per day. So let me just restate that. For the last eight years, he sold more than one home per day, based in Whitby, Ontario. With that being said, Dan, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure, absolutely. I came from the HVAC business originally, and although I was a pretty good mechanic, I was much better, I realized, early on with people. I enjoyed the sales side of things when I was doing heating and air conditioning. Any opportunity I had to talk to people is where I tend to shine, and I think that's important for everybody. The sooner we can figure out where our unique abilities lie, the better and more happier we're going to be for a long period of time. And I transitioned into real estate, got my license, and I've never looked back. I actually, for the first 10 years, tried to figure out as an individual how to figure out getting off that hamster wheel, being so busy sometimes that I didn't have a life, and vice versa. I'm sometimes living life too much and then going broke and having to go back to real estate. It was like that cyclical up and down that salespeople tend to enter into, especially commissioned salespeople. And after I figured out a little bit of how to leverage people, technology, marketing, things went fairly well. And we've developed and built a team that does extremely well. And here we are selling more than a home a day for the last eight years in a row. And we literally dominate in our marketplace. I don't say that to boast or brag. I say that as a testament to how well the systems work. We'll talk about the systems here in a little bit. Clearly, we need to talk about the system you have in place. Let's talk about your rookie of the year year. That was 28 years ago. Yes. Yeah. I started November of 89. So really my first full year was 1990. Yeah. Okay. So first year, 1990, 
you achieved Rookie of the Year for selling homes in your area. What were some things that you did that other rookies were not doing? I banged on doors. Talk about old school. I was in a market at that time, 1990, when interest rates were 16 to 18%. Oh, wow. uh, people were handing the keys back to the banks and walking away. And as a result, people who did want to sell their homes or needed to sell their homes, but didn't want to go into bankruptcy or quit claims, they were selling privately. And here was me sitting there, cold calling out of a phone book, hoping to find people who might give me a lead or give me a listing. Like my fingers were bleeding from dialing so much. And I'm driving home, passing by for sale by owners. And of course, they always said, no, no agents, please. Everybody in this area seemed to have a pit bull too, by the way, a big dog. So you didn't <laughs> want to door knock those. <laughs> But it was kind of insane, really. I'm trying to find leads, and I'm driving by all these leads. So one day, I got the courage up to go knock on a door, and they slammed the door in my face, just like most calls that I was making. They'd slam the phone down, and I learned a lot of swear words from prospecting, cold calling, and that wasn't my intention. I wanted to get leads. So I changed the pattern and the language I was using when I started to door knock for sell by owners, and I did very well by them. I started to knock on the door and tell people. The first thing out of my mouth was, I don't want to list your home. And they were taken back by this. So why you hear that? Because they could always tell you're a real estate agent, right? For some reason, right? Yep. And when they heard that from me, they said, then why are you here? And I said, I'm here because we sell a lot of homes in the area. And my company that I worked with does, and they did. And they said, well, why are you here? I said, because listen, I, I work with for sale by owners. I help you. I want to help you. If you can find someone on your own, that's fine. But I also have people I'd like to bring through your home. And I know you don't want to pay commission. You don't have to. If we find the perfect match for your home, you're going to be happy because you'll maybe use me to buy your next home. So it's win-win. So right away, they were warming up to me. The point is I get through their house. More than half of them wouldn't sell anyway. Guess who they listed with? It was me. And I also got their list of buyers that they had coming through. And in exchange, all I did was offer to help them if they did did get someone or secure someone, I'd help them with the paperwork, maybe save them a few hundred bucks before I went to the lawyer. So it's just a little system and a program I put together. And my first three months, I'd listed six homes. Wow. What a smart approach. So I want to make sure I heard that correctly. So you first said, I don't want to list your home. And then their guard is no longer up as much. And then they ask, why are you here? And then you say, we do sell a lot of homes in this area. So I might be able to Go through that one more time, will you? The value. Sure, well, yeah. My language, my scripting, and my training company, Dan Plum and Coaching, goes through all of this. But the specific language, if we're not telling people what they want to hear, or at least addressing what it is that they feel is an issue, because I think a for sale by owner, I think we would all agree, they're pretty much saying, I want my home sold, and I believe there's no value in a real estate salesperson, so I'm going to do it myself and net more money. That's what they're saying. Yep. Yep. And if we agree that that's what they're saying and knock on their door and try to give them a different opinion, you're just going to have a fight, a confrontation out of the gate. Yes. And that's what most people would do. They would knock on the door and say, hey, yeah, you should list with me because I'm this or because my company is that. And that's not what they want to hear. They've already made their decision. They don't need you to try to convince them otherwise. And I believe that people still with their for sale by owner, son in the lawn, have some fear in that Maybe they're not doing it right. They're not sold. They see other sold signs from other real estate. What are they doing wrong? So when you offer them help and acknowledge it's going to be for free, their guard will come down. And there's a certain language to use when doing that. But nine out of 10 homes that I would knock on using the right language, I would end up with them touring the home, showing me through, and they wouldn't let the pit bull go on me. So we became friends. Okay, so got that. But in terms of this specific value exchange, so what they're getting from this and what you're getting, what is that exactly? The value exchange was, 
I'm going to send clients your way. We're going to drive by your home anyway, and my clients are going to ask if I know about your home. I'd like to be able to talk highly of your home and send these clients your way. I can't always find a buyer the perfect home. Yours may be a perfect match for one of my clients. And I'm okay with that because I know if I do match a buyer for you, for my client base, uh-huh. you'll probably be so happy and work with me. You're going to buy another house anyway. Okay. Not I'm to mention, good. in exchange, I know you have a massive list of people who come through your home. It's not a perfect fit for them. I want those names and numbers. It doesn't cost them any money to use my services when buying a home as well. Beautiful. Unless they can believe it's truly a win-win and there's not a one-sided catch, unless it doesn't make sense, you will be turned away. Yeah. So smart. How many homes did you send your clients to to purchase a for sale by owner. Oh, it's happened. It's happened. And you How know, you buy, yeah, you buy, I can remember vividly in my first year, there were three. Okay. And that's pretty high. You remember, I'm not doing a lot of deals my first year anyway, yeah. but my focus was for sale by owners. The market was ripe for it because interest rates were high. A lot of people were trying to sell privately. And here's me listing homes when other people are struggling to even find the next client, never mind a listing. Mm-hmm. So it works, but it's give and take too. Yep. Oh, so smart. Thank you for sharing that. So that's Rookie of the Year. Holy cow, that was 28 years ago. So clearly you've learned a couple things over the last 28 years. What are some things that you know now that if you had employed them during Rookie of the Year, you would have done at least twice as much as what you did that year? Wow, what a big question. It's a great question. I often talk about this actually when I'm on stage or speaking to other large groups. And one of the big things for me, look, is, I mean, isn't that the key to life? If I knew then what I know now, right? I think that's what you're asking me. Yep. Yeah. The biggest thing would be to have implemented and systemized what I was doing that was working, tracking everything I did and eliminating the things that didn't work. Okay. That's the big one. And that's a big question. And I know I just gave you a quick, short answer, but there's a lot to that. Yeah, we elaborate. Absolutely. I know now that throughout my first 10 years, I sporadically did some great things and I sporadically did some terrible things. And when you're not tracking as a business owner and you're not aware of what leads you're purchasing or where you're investing time and getting return or not getting return from, you're spinning the wheels. You're on that hamster wheel and you'll never get off. And you're just kind of spitting out the good stuff when it happens. But you need to identify as quickly as possible where your highest and best use is giving you the biggest return. So a prime example would be real estate salesperson who goes to a convention and he passes by all these booths and he's given all of these new wonderful opportunities. Try this, do this, do this, do this. And I was famous for buying them all. I'd buy into everything. The easiest people in the world to sell stuff to are salespeople. (laughs) So I would buy everything and I had no idea what was working and what was not. Mm -hmm. So when I've learned to systemize and I track everything, I track my results in everything that happens. I'm able when I business plan at the end of the year to decide what we're going to maybe pull some money out of and put more over here because it worked well. And we are able to then see what market trends, what's going to change this year that's going to ensure that that will continue to have that same trending success. Or, hey, this is done. I can see how this has died the last three years because we've tracked it. So for me to look back and look back and implement wonderful things that I did really well and to be aware of them, I think the biggest thing I would have done early on was track and be more aware. Well, in that first year, you mentioned some things that worked well and didn't. The didn't part sounds like from earlier, it was the yellow pages, cold calling. And what did work was the door knocking. 
Anything yeah. else you'd like to mention for the first year? And then we're going to skip ahead to current. Well, well, sure. I quickly realized that it was about relationships. And it's really tough on the phone when you're talking to people, even when people did start to engage and talk to you. It's tough to engage to the point of making an impression. Two things are happening. One, quite often they're just reciprocating and being kind. And the other thing that's happening is me as a person on the phone, I'm trying to figure out if this is a viable lead. Does this person have a motivation of any sort to move in the next two years? And people, you're being kind sometimes at the phone. Most people just hang up because you're wasting their time when you're cold calling, which is nice. I appreciate that. But for most part, I realized that the real value in relationship building and the real ability to pull that off happens when you're face-to-face, not on the phone. So that's why the prospecting, I realized, wasn't a great thing early on. So I started to pick up open houses, even when I didn't have a lot of listings early on, from other people in my office. And I would open house to meet people face-to-face, because I think most people in sales' unique abilities shine the most when you're eye-to-eye, face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, we're in the relationship-building business. We're not salespeople. We just need to meet people and impress upon them. And there's language you can use to break patterns when people are meeting you, like the for sale by owner example I gave you. There's similar scripts and languages we can use that will stop people from ripping through your open house and not looking you in the eye because they don't want to get caught, or they give you that conditioned response. I have an agent. It's like, that's what they do. That's what human nature is. There's things you can say to break those patterns so that you can stop people and they want to get to know you because I think that's the key. So I started doing four open houses a week. And as a result, I met a lot of people. And the more people you meet, the more relationships you build. And I genuinely believe in my heart that deals are just a natural byproduct of more relationships and more impressions. I certainly agree with that. Those four open houses a week you were doing, were all of those your listings? or No, you- no. Quite often not. Most people work amongst brokerages that have a lot of listings, and there are agents who would happily let you sit and do an open house with their sign on the lawn, and who cares? We know people coming through open houses aren't there to buy the home. Let's be honest. It's maybe one in a 100 people that actually buy the house they go through for the first time or through an open house. It's an opportunity to meet people. And when we look at our business and understand the time that we're spending doing whatever we're doing, if we just shift the purpose of why we're there, it'll help us understand what we're doing. Too many people sit in open houses and think, oh, it's just a free-for-all to go through. Well, you might as well just have the homeowner stay there and do that. (laughs) That's not what it's for. It's to meet people and to impress upon them what opportunity you have that's going to help them, whether they're buying or selling, and to give your value props as quick as you can, but not so early that you push them back. So how do you make an impression on people that basically they walk away? People think one of two things, nothing of you, or they remember you made them feel good. Because people rarely remember what we say to them. They always remember how we made them feel. Mm -hmm. All right. So you or your team member have a house listed currently, and it's an open house, and my wife and I happen to be in Whitby, Ontario, and house shopping, and we go in. We talk, and then we leave. What's your process for after the open house and after you've talked to someone? You know, it's amazing because quite often you'll go through open houses and you won't even talk to the agent because they'll say something like this. Hey, thanks for coming and uh, go through. If you have any questions, I'm here. And you'll get to the door, putting your shoes on. You'll say, thank you. Goodbye. And most agents don't know what to do. So what the industry's done is we've slowly started to implement what's called a, a sign-in sheet for security reasons. Yep. Leave your name and number. And sure, I'll leave my name, Joe Smith and the false number or whatever. So it's, it's just maybe a little way to break the ice, but it doesn't work well at all. What I've done with my partners on my team, we do open houses here every weekend, is for three or four bucks, you can have 
a swag bag, just a paper bag made with your logo on it with that fancy paper coming out the top. I don't care if it's photocopies of coloring sheets for kids with crayons from the dollar <laughs> store in it. But you put 30 or 40 of these bags in a point of reference that people can see when they walk in dining room table to the left and they see them and they realize they're getting free stuff. People love free stuff. If you've ever been to a sporting event, We've all seen the big guy with the beer in his hand spill it over top of the kids reaching to catch the towel before the kid gets it or the free T-shirt. You know what I'm saying. So people love free stuff. This is called breaking the pattern. They walk through the house. And I'll give you an example. Two weeks ago, one of my partners was doing open house. They said, I can't believe how well the swag works. They were talking to someone at the doors. They were leaving, giving them a free little bag. And the people that were ready to leave stood behind in line like they wanted to wait till they got their bag. <laughs> like, that's pretty cool. Now we've got people lined up at the open house that want to talk to you. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Break patterns. Now you have a chance to ask some questions and it's those questions that allow you that 60 seconds or that 120 seconds of engagement without it. What are we doing? We're just standing there opening the door to the house. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then after they get their bag, they leave, open the house is over. What's the process? Well, here's the other thing too. When you're giving somebody something and you've asked them to sign in or sign out before they leave, however you do it. It's usually sign in before you come. People are less apt to lie or to say something that's not true if you're engaged and looking them in the eye. So when I'm asking somebody a question and I've given them a swag bag, and it may be, like I said, three or four bucks. It's not the point. They're getting something for free. And I look at them and I say, so have you been looking for homes for long? People start to talk. They will open up. That's called reciprocity. They feel the need to reciprocate because you've given them something. Reciprocity is a valuable tool that we don't use enough in our industry. Mm -hmm. I agree. So then you talk to them, but then now it's over. Follow They've up. gone home to their other home. Mm -hmm. What do you do to follow up with them? Well, I'll tell you, in our industry, there's one of three things that happen with a lead. And in my opinion, every name and phone number is a lead. Most of them will be duds. Some will be follow-ups and others will be appointments. So if the category for which after meeting people in the open house has fallen to follow-up, that's awesome. I build as many follow-ups as I can and I incubate that. And that follow-up sequence has to be done properly. Great notes, proper contact relationship management system. If you don't have a great CRM in this industry, you will not be comfortable pushing leads into it. And a great CRM that works best in our industry, in my opinion, is real estate flow. We use real estate flow. It's the best. It's built by realtors for realtors. But I genuinely believe that there needs to be more value placed on follow-up, more so than even the deals, because the deals, again, are a natural byproduct. Mm -hmm. How do you determine if someone's a dud or a follow-up? Well, I'll give you an example. If somebody says to me, no, I have an agent. I'm fully committed to him. I bought my last three homes with him. There's no way I'm buying with anybody else. That's a done to me. That's, That's one of my database. Yep. If somebody says my mom's a realtor, I'm going to buy with her or she'll disown me and I'll never have Christmas dinner again. I'm not going to put that in my follow-up system. But there are a lot of people with those conditioned responses that will say, Things like, let's say we just had a registry sign-in sheet that says Pam and David Smith. One of the boxes that I don't like on some sign-in sheets that I've seen for some realtors, because we teach, coach, and train people how to build their business right across North America. And some of the sign-in sheets I don't like when they say, do you have a realtor, yes or no? Everybody's going to say yes because they don't want you to call them. Right. 
especially when they're just looking, leave me alone. This is a free open house. Don't ask me questions, right? Mm -hmm. So this is why we try to break the pattern with the swag. And this is why I don't think you should have that box. But I would still follow up with those people. There's a language to use specific that can break that pattern as well and bring that down. And when I'm able to say to people, if I could show you value or some things that maybe you haven't seen, would you be open to it? Quite often they'll say, well, I'm not really working with an agent. They just kind of sending me some stuff. Well, that's not a commitment of any sort to me. I'm going to ask you a question you might not have an answer to, but that's okay. It's just something I'm curious to hear your thoughts on. And before I ask you that question, just a little bit of context. So my wife and I have gone to a decent amount of open houses recently in some nice areas. And we'll say we we went to like 15. And these are nice homes. Of those 15, one real estate agent ended up following up and putting us on their email list. But the other 14, nothing. And we didn't give any red flags to be categorized in the dud category. We didn't mention anything that would put us in that category. So we should have been in the follow-up or appointment category. Why do you think, by and large, real estate agents don't do this type of stuff? And if they haven't come across you or stuff you're talking about, well, there's still certain components of this, like follow-up that it should just be something that they do. So why do you think that is? Well, I believe without question, it's the old 20% of the agents make 80% of the money. And I think I've watched that go to about 95.5 in the last 25, almost 30 years. In other words, the majority of the money is being made by less and less realtors and commissioned salespeople. And the reason for it is they've managed to make the shift understanding that business is not like it used to be. I go back 15 years, even 12 years, I can go back and there were people that would still further in the buying cycle, be comfortable calling a real estate agent, talking to them. People have more access to things online now. They don't need our services until really the very end. Quite often people already know the home they want to buy before they even call to see it. And that's a problem for real estate agents that haven't transitioned and understand that when people are inquiring or going through open houses early in the buying cycle, if you don't see the value in getting names, numbers, and following up, you're missing out because the massive opportunity and the shift that's happened in our industry, that's what it is now. So that's what's going on. Those 14 agents you said, I think one followed up or 15 and one followed up. The one that followed up, I would bet, is either new in the business and enthusiastic or has a successful team of some sort already. That'd be my guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I don't know. Yep. I'd have to check. But yep. I do know that the ones are still looking for the now business. Who's ready to see homes this weekend? I need a deal right now. They're living paycheck to paycheck. They're on the hamster wheel. And they've not built a viable business. And they don't have a follow-up system. They don't have real estate flow working for them. They just not leverage people, technology, and marketing. And it's a mindset. I think the shift has to happen in our industry. And until it does, there's going to be more and more people fumbling over, hoping to find the scraps of people who are now business. It's just not the same anymore. Taking a step back, what is your best advice ever for, we'll go real estate agents since that was the focus of our conversation. What's your best advice ever for real estate agents? For anyone, whether they're in the business or new coming in? Uh, Pick whichever subset you'd like to pick or all of them. Okay. I think the best advice I could give someone is understanding that you don't need more leads you need to understand how to convert leads and be organized with the leads that you will have. Once you master that, then invest money on leads. 
Otherwise, you're going to go broke and you're going to hate this business. And I watch people who are veterans that still sit in my seminars and put up their hand as soon as I say, what's the most important thing to your leads or learning how to convert them? And they always say leads. And I say, I give a bunch of leads right now. You're going to convert them terribly and you're going to tell me they're a waste of money and you're going to hate the business more. So I think getting organized and understanding the business side of conversion, what it means to establish relationships and value follow-ups. Because again, the deals are a natural byproduct of doing the right things. And we don't set our business up in that regard. We just jump into this business and knee jerk. How can I make money quickly? It's the wrong approach. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Okay, you hit me. <laughs> All right. First, though, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular want to learn more about our strategy – and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above, and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dwellyn.com forward slash show. Best ever book you've recently read? Oh, my best ever book I've recently read would be High Performance Habits. That's Brennan Bircher's book, How Extraordinary, oh, yeah. People, How Extraordinary People Become That Way. And I know you've got some rental properties of your own. So among those rental properties you currently own or previously own, what's the best ever deal you've done? I think the best ever deal I've done would be some of the larger plexes that I leveraged, filled up with tenants fairly quickly, and then realized the equity opportunity after new appraisals to leverage more money against them. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? We talking investment still? Yeah. Okay, because when you say mistake I've made regarding transaction, that could be relationships too, right? Sure. I'm kidding, man. <laughs> that opens a whole new conversation, right? Yeah, right? I think the biggest mistake I've ever made on a transaction from a personal transaction, is that what you mean? I don't care. Just any transaction. <laughs> okay, well, from a real estate perspective, I remember taking a referral from somebody else and not doing due diligence to understand there was a pipeline in the backyard and the client who purchased it wanted to put a pool in and I was sued. That was a pretty big mistake. Oh, what happened? Not doing the proper searches as a listing agent. Here we have a fiduciary duty and obligation to know everything. Did you lose that lawsuit? Oh, I lost the commission fully in an additional 2500 bucks. It was about $15,000. Ah. Now, I was first year in the business. That's no excuse, but I'm glad I learned that one early. That's right. Yes. <laughs> What's the best ever way you like to give back to the community? The community... We do a lot of work with people here at Christmas time. We feed a lot of people. Our last turkey drive that we did, we fed 300 families at Christmas. That was pretty cool. Best ever way the best ever listeners can learn more about what you're doing? DanPlowmanCoaching.com. We teach, coach, and train people how to go to the next level. And I'm all about picking up an extra two deals a month as quickly as possible. And for me, that may sound like a lot to some people. It's not. If you're doing 50 or 75 deals a year, I can get you to 150 and 200. We do it with coaching clients now. I'm selling 400 deals a year. I know we can do it. And I really enjoy helping people do that. Well, you got a lot of really good things to say, and I thoroughly enjoyed learning from you today. A couple things that stood out immediately address 
what someone thinks is the issue and that's how you were able to achieve the rookie of the year status when you first got started when you knock on the door people don't want to talk to you but then if you immediately address what they think is the issue then you find a way to have that value exchange just incredibly savvy move and effective move that was beneficial to all and then also being able to convert those leads as they come in and the open house you were in a brokerage other people had listings they would gladly let you go help them make a commission by hosting the open house and you use that as an opportunity to build your database and build your relationships and as you said i'm paraphrasing but deals are a byproduct of our relationships so Thank you so much for being on the show. Thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Hope you have a best ever day. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellin.com forward slash show. That's D-W-E. L-L-Y-N-N dot com forward slash show.